Hello, hello, there you go. Right. Just going to pray again and then um, we'll crack on. I just think of that, um, that song that we sing sometimes in church. Um, Spirit, of, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Take me, mould me, use me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And Lord, that is a prayer for us as we start this course, that you would fill us, that you would take us, that you would mould us, that you would use us, that you would fill us. And Father, as we think about the differences that exist within your, your church, within our society, within our world, Lord, that can sometimes feel so overwhelming. Um, but Lord, your heart is for reconciliation. And Jesus, we know that you went um, the full way to reconcile us to you. Um, not because of anything good that we've done, but because of your amazing love. And so, Father, I pray that we would have humble hearts, teachable spirits, not only to listen, but to allow you to challenge us, to transform us, to heal us, to forgive us, to renew us, and to restore us to relationship with you and with others as well. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, yeah, the Difference course um, is a course that was um, uh, put together by Justin Welby um, about three years ago. And over the last three years, um, he's been trialling it and testing it amongst church leaders. Um, and there's a really interesting um, video on the Difference course website. Um, uh, Justin Welby, um, you see him in this room and he's talking to a room full of church leaders. Um, and he says this, he says, reconciliation is the greatest gift to the church of Jesus Christ. It's not that one, sorry. It's the greatest, greatest gift to the church of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say, so often though, we behave like idiots and we bury this gift of reconciliation. Just like the person who buries the talents. We, we behave foolishly and we bury this gift of reconciliation, and, and we look across our world, and we see so much recon- we see so much division, so much strife, so much disunity. Whether it be across the political sphere, whether it be across any form of life, and yet the church should be striving for unity, for unity. And just over over COVID, as a an American. Pastor, he was um, a pastor of a mega church in America, which he founded in his house and it exploded to thousands of people. A guy called Francis Chan, and he wrote this book called Until Unity. He, and he's basically making this point that until the church unites, the church is never going to look like Jesus intended. And in this book, Francis Chan makes this point. He says, We divide so easily because we love so shadowly. We divide so easily because we love so shallowly. He goes on to say that the church is the most divided family on earth. When you look at all the different denominations and the different streams of Christianity and the different sects of Christianity, the church is the most divided family on earth. And he makes this plea for the church to unite, for brothers and sisters to come together in, in a very similar way that Justin Welby has done 
in this difference course. And that's what we're going to look at over the next five Sunday mornings. And then we're going to take two of the reflective activities and look at them in our groups, in, in our home groups. And what we're going to do right now, we're just going to watch um, uh, a video. Um, and on this video, um, we're focusing on the three habits. So almost like the, the three um, I, I guess, yeah, guiding principles to the difference courses. This is how um, we are to think about the difference course and, and how we relate to each other through it. Thanks, Steve. Welcome to the difference course. People from all around the world are taking part in the Difference Course, and we are really excited to have you with us. In today's session, we're going to introduce you to three habits that have the potential to transform everyday relationships. It is about our character. It's about who we are and who we become as we journey through life with Jesus Christ. That's what really matters. And we can shape who we're becoming through our habits, or to be more accurate, we can shape who we allow the Holy Spirit to make us into through our habits. Amen. And so with that, the first habit is be curious. This is about listening to others' stories and seeing the world through their eyes. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that everyone is made in the image of God. That means they have indescribable value, a unique story. When we're curious enough to seek out another's story, just in doing that, we affirm that person's innate God-given value. And when we do that, we begin to move outside of our own echo chambers, away from presumptions and towards wondering. The second habit is be present. It means showing up, sticking around, learning to encounter others with real authenticity. I love that word, authenticity. <laughs> you know, the Christian faith teaches us that God became human, put skin on, and chose to be part of a hurting world. In John chapter one, we read that the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. You see, that's God's response to injustice and hurt, is to step right into that context, to live life alongside others. And in doing that, he's teaching us what it means to be present. It's in times of disagreement and division that being present has the potential to bring down those dividing walls and move us away from hostility and deeper towards hospitality. And I am a big fan of hospitality. <laughs> And so now the third and final habit, reimagine. Finding ways of finding hope in places that we long to see change. Our worlds, or rather how we see the world is shaped by our imagination. And when divisions and conflicts seem like they'll never end, it can be hard, even impossible to find hope or to imagine an alternative where healing, restoration and thriving relationships are possible. In Revelation 21, 
we're told that God is making all things new. The habit of reimagining encourages us to allow the Holy Spirit to renew us and enables God to stretch our understanding of what is possible. Sometimes we're called to reimagine one-to-one relationships. Other times it might be whole systems and structures. Practicing this habit is something that we do with other people in community. And so with that, there's the three habits. Be curious, be present, and reimagine. Three habits to change us, to change our communities, to change the world. Amen. So there we go. So the three habits. I was reflecting on um, being back at the, um, the school because um, I'm a the part-time caretaker at Rushmere Hill Primary School. And it's been interesting. It, this week felt a bit disorientating because it's been a three-day week for school. So it, it's kind of messed with my, with my mind. And all the uh, teachers, you know, go around, you say, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And, um, you know, a lot of the people say, oh, you know, New Year, same old, same old. And it got me thinking about our, our perspective on this year as Christians, right? Happy New Year, same old, same old. Or are we expecting God to do a new thing? What is your hope? What is your longing? What is your desire for this new year? Do we have the attitude, oh, New Year, same old? Or do we see a new year as a new opportunity for God to take us deeper into his heart, deeper in our relationships with each other, to stretch us, to challenge us, to remake us, to shake us up, so that we become more of the people that he has called us to be. When I think of my own experiences in life, you know, I might be a lot younger than some of you here, but God has blessed me in so many ways, by allowing me to experience so much of the different cultures in our world. When I think of my time in the Ukraine, when I think about my time in America, and, and I've talked to you a lot about that before, my time in America was transformational for me in so many ways. Working in an inner city in America, which had the highest murder rate in the whole of the USA, working in a, in a, in a city where the young people had been forgotten by a corrupt um, government, local government, and there was so much breakdown in every society, in every part of that society in that city. And I remember arriving at the airport and the police saying to me, where, where is your destination? And I explained to them where it was. And they said to me, well, you're coming home in a body bag. You're, coming, you're going back home in a body bag. You do know that, don't you? And, and for me, that, that kind of got me thinking, because all I'd ever wanted to do was to go to this place to, to love these young people, to, to show them that there is a God who cares. And yet, this place had developed a reputation as a place where, why go there? Why go there? You know, it's almost like the barriers go up straight away. Reputation. Say, we have it with people, you know, people might, we might think that people have a reputation for being this way or that way. Or, and yet, God is saying to us, Allow me to stretch you, to challenge you, to move you out of your comfort zone, to get you thinking differently. 
And when we think about Jesus, he was often criticized for going after the wrong people. Going after the wrong people. And that is one of the things that happened to Jesus, but it's because his heart was so full of love. We're going to take a minute now to watch our second video, which is um, by a man called Pastor Ray, and he'll be getting us to think about more about our theme for this week, which is God's call and being reconciled. So thanks, Steve. If we were to think of where is God in all of this stuff, I think he's at the centre of it. He's right here in the middle of all of this mess that we've created. My name is Pastor Ray Minikon. On my father's side, I'm from the Cubby Cubby people in southeast Queensland, or in the Glasshouse Mountains area. East of that is a little place called Borple Mountains. That's my great-great-grandmother's country there. That's where she was uh, forcibly removed and taken north. And on my mother's side, she's Gorang which is uh, Bundaberg, just a little bit north of that. And so my parents and my grandparents were brought up under those regimes. And they were very restrictive. As we were driving on the road, if ever we were stopped by the police, I was told, you got to run, son and don't let the police catch you because they didn't want us to be taken and put into institutions. I've worked with our stolen generation for the, almost all my ministerial career for 45 years and they're stories I still carry in my bones. They're, very, they're stories of pain and of struggle and of incredible trauma and those particular traumas have been passed on to you know, uh, generations after generations. We did not exist. And I think the colonizers at that time may it took great efforts to try to make sure that we didn't exist by not only putting us on missions and reserves, but also by the ways in which they slaughtered a lot of our people. There's been huge amounts of massacres in, in, in my country there. You know, that makes it very difficult for us to come to grips with this message, this gospel message, in so many different ways. And yet, it's through that, by the grace of our Father in Heaven, that He gave us this opportunity to respond to His message in a different way. To respond to His love, and to His life, and to His ways, regardless of how either the church or the government dealt with our people. You know, as Indigenous Australians, we face so many different traumatic events that have happened to us. And so how do you reconcile all of those, those kinds of challenges that you face either as an individual or as a family? And for me, in the middle of all of that, if there was one event or one thing that could possibly bring about, bring about reconciliation, it would be the cross of, of Jesus Christ. Not just the cross, but also the resurrection of Jesus has made that possible through his word and through his spirit. If we can only see that he does 
make this incredible difference if we follow his ways, his teachings, and be a follow, follower of the way in which Jesus walked. Because you look at his story, he walked with all of this hurt and pain. Even he had wounds so deep. It's God himself in the middle of all of this mess, these powers that be, he's putting out his hand both to the wounded as well as, as, well as to those who have made the wounds, the oppressor as well as the oppressed, and saying, come on, let's get back together again. Let's, let's heal these relationships again. Let's make us be one as God created us to be. And that's, that really is the heart of the gospel. It seems so simple. Perhaps we've made the simple so complex that we've lost the simplicity of it all. It's time for a change. And if reconciliation is to mean anything to me, it means that we have to change the ways in which we, our attitudes and our behaviours are towards our neighbours who are, are not like us. But it's not only reconciling our differences with each other and amongst each other, we've also got to reconcile our differences with our planet, with our environment, with our climate issues that we're facing right now, with creation justice. This particular generation of young people who have got access to the greatest knowledge on the planet, I think they're looking for something different. I think they're looking for a way in which the, the world can come together. Use your imagination to reimagine what should be and what could be, what may be. And what I've found over those years of ministry is that my inabilities became his abilities to use me. <laughs> I still, I'm still amazed by that. <laughs> he still amazes me. We're going to look at um, a scripture now from Matthew um, chapter 5. This is the, uh, the reading that's part of this week's course. And um, it, it's titled The Sermon on the Mount. So it, it's where we get a chunk of Jesus' teaching um, and about how he wants his followers to live. Because when you read Jesus' teaching on, on following him, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, all the things that Jesus prioritizes are very countercultural. Um, they go against the world's norms, the, the world's value systems. And when we become Christians, we are committing ourselves to live out these kingdom values. We are committing ourselves to the kingdom of God. We are committing ourselves to following in the way of Jesus, no matter the cost. And we don't have a get-out clause. We do not have a get-out clause. And what this means is that it, it, it causes us to humble ourselves and ask God by his spirit to reveal those things in us that need to be changed so that we can see each other through the eyes of a loving father. We all have to remember that each and every person in this room, every person that you're sitting next to, is made in the image of God and has intrinsic value and intrinsic worth. Each and every person has, a, has um, a, a value. Each and every person has been, um, has, has been, Jesus died on the cross for them. Every single 
person. And that's something that we always need to come back to, friends. All our stories are different and our experiences are different. Some of us grew up in broken families. Some of us grew up in very stable families. Some of us have been through some of the worst pain imaginable. And that has shaped our lives. Matthew chapter 5, and we're just going to read the first um, few verses that are on the screen. Um, And like I said, this is the reading for today. Matthew 5, chapter 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who, are hung, who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is there, is theirs. So, so it's called the Beatitudes, and I've heard someone once say it's, called, it's the beautiful attitudes, the attitudes that, that Jesus wants us to have. And one of the, I'm not sure what verse stands out to you in those verses. For me, it's God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. It's about what's going on in here. It's about what's, what's going on. What are our motivations and our desires? What, what do we long for? What do we long to see God do? That, that transforming work in us that God wants to do by his spirit. And that requires humility. And that requires um, us to take a look inside of us and, and, and ask God the question, is there anything in me? that has taken root, that is not of you. It might be a, 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 an attitude or, 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 a, or a prejudice, the way that we see others or, or, or see situations. But God, it says here that God blesses those who do these things. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice who hunger and thirst. That's like a a deep, intense longing, and and it's a longing that doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. It's a hungering and a a thirsting that causes you to to step up and to step out and to to fight and to to cry out to God in prayer, to, to get involved practically in things that God's putting on your heart. To refuse to waste your life on things that don't truly matter. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. There's there's so many things in this passage and so many things that Jesus is calling us to consider. How do we live our lives? If we want to see the kingdom of God come, if we want to see the kingdom of God expand, if we want to see the kingdom of God come to earth, we must be thinking about, our 
desires and our longings and the things that we want to see God do in and through us and inviting him in to the pain and in asking him to, to change us, to transform us and to heal us so that we can be agents of transformation as well. So we can respond to this call that God places upon each one of us to be reconcilers, to be, to be peacemakers, to walk across the room and to not see division and difference. We all think about people like Martin Luther King, who had a dream, who had a dream to see black and white come together, children playing together, a man who had such a dream that in the end it cost him his life, a man willing to stand up. People like Nelson Mandela, people that have given their lives and years for standing up for justice and for things that are right. People that have a heart for reconciliation. As we start this course, I, I do pray that the Spirit would be allowed access to our hearts, to our lives, to, to change us so that we could play our full part in the, in the reconciliation that God wants us to bring in, a, in our relationships, in the world, um, the way that we live in our workplaces, the way that we um, are in our schools and in our, in our colleges and our universities. Where is God calling us to make a difference for him? So I do pray that at the start of this new year, we wouldn't think, friends, that it's same old. Because God is always up to something. God is always wanting to do a new thing in our lives if we would let him and we invite him in. He will do it and it will be a year of transformation if we allow God to have his way. So why don't we pray together? Father, we recognise that we live in a world where there is division. There is, um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of things that um, don't reflect your heart, that don't reflect the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom of God. But Father, as, you, as your people, as your sons and daughters, you, you call us, you, you command us to examine ourselves, to, to look inside and, and to allow your spirit to, to change and to, to transform, to heal and so, Father, as we think about the great cost that you paid in sending your son, we think about the cross, we think about the enormity of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Lord, the price, the, the, the cost that we are faced with is nothing compared to what Jesus went through for us. So, Lord, I pray that at the beginning of this new year that we would open our hearts to you, open our hearts to the Spirit of God, and allow the transforming power of God to be at work in our relationships, in our homes, in our marriages, our families, in our places of work. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.